0: I'm Paige Waterhouse.
1: And I'm Naveel Reza.
0: From the Cavalier Daily, this is On Record. Welcome
2: to Olivia's estate. It is a beautiful home, but full of tragedy. Her father and brother have just died, and her uncle, Sir Toby Belch, is currently visiting. This mischievous drunkard is currently bothering Mariah, Olivia's maid.
3: The plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. I am sure cares an enemy to life.
2: By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier nights. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours.
3: Why let her accept before accepted?
2: Aye, but you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order.
3: Confine? I'll confine myself no finer than I am. These clothes are good enough to drink in, and so be these boots, too.
2: That quaffing and drinking will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday and of a foolish night that you brought in one night here to be her wooer.
1: That was a clip from Shakespeare on the Lawn's production of Twelfth Night, which has been converted into a radio show. Many plays across grounds have decided to do Zoom productions in lieu of physical performances. While most students are familiar with Zoom, many have said it's been hard for directors to figure out ways for actors to connect with one another. Additionally, there are logistical and technical questions that require consideration. How will set design work, and how will actors show that they are in character, when Zoom usually only shows people from the shoulders up? What will lighting and sound work look like? How do cues between actors work?
0: We spoke to Emma Camp, this semester's director of Shakespeare on the Lawn's performance of King Lear, about her experience directing their first ever remote production. While discussing the challenges and unexpected benefits of a virtual King Lear, Camp expressed these same concerns. She said that it had been hard to recreate the face-to-face connections that people... She said that it had been hard to recreate the face-to-face connections that make these productions so special. But she also said that Zoom has pushed her to be more creative when portraying these connections to the audience.
1: Camp gave examples of how she has had to think creatively. She mentioned making color schemes for characters so that the audience can associate them with props on screen. For example, in one scene, a blue blanket replaces a character who is being carried. She also shared that two characters are being played by twins, and in one of the scenes, one kills the other, and one twin moves from one screen to another.
0: Despite many difficulties, Kemp explained how the adjustment to remote theater is going, and how she and her cast have experienced pros and cons throughout the process. Kemp also expressed that virtual theater has allowed many of her actors to participate remotely, something that would not have been possible if the show had been in-person. She also predicted that the virtual production would increase turnout because audience members wouldn't have to travel to see the play. Additionally, this semester's production is partnering with the Accessible Theater Project, another CIO, which aims to make theater more accessible to people with physical and mental disabilities.
1: Camp expressed that this partnership is especially important to her as she herself is autistic. She explained that ATP in the past has focused primarily on children's productions, but that autism doesn't exist for just children, and their support for this production recognizes that autistic adults should watch theater productions that deal with complex themes about family and loyalty.
0: When asked about why she chose King Lear, Kemp said that it was a play everyone knows and one that could be more easily done over Zoom. Kemp has always loved Shakespeare for the language and its ability to be interpreted in so many ways. She has acted in previous shows and expressed that she was excited to assume the director role during such a unique semester. In a pre-COVID world, auditions are held in person in either Lawn Rooms, New Cabell Hall, or somewhere on grounds at the beginning of the semester. The whole semester is dedicated to the chosen performance where the cast and crew are hard at work. Aside from the actual rehearsals and meetings, there are workshops throughout the semester focusing on makeup, costume, technology, and the mechanics of what a production requires. At the end of the semester, performances are normally held in the Student Activities Building, where the cast and crew's hard work is showcased.
1: While it's certainly true, COVID has limited many aspects of theater and in person performance, it has also brought an opportunity for students to learn new skills and come up with creative solutions. Working collaboratively over distance and learning new techniques and skills to adjust to online productions can be an opportunity in itself.
0: Shakespeare on the Lawn has taken advantage of the opportunity to collaborate with students from other universities. Two members of the production are not university students. Edmund is played by Sarah Bateman, a first year at Wesleyan University, and one of King Lear's followers is played by Kira Vedamton, a first year at Bryn Mawr College.
1: A call for auditions was posted online, and all actors and actresses auditioned via Zoom. The audition post did not restrict potential cast members to the university and encouraged all majors and programs to apply. The audition call also noted that acting experience was not required and any individual interest in Shakespeare could audition.
0: We spoke to an actor in this semester's show about their experience with the remote production.
4: My name's Autumn Route. I am a BME major and CS minor in the E school at UVA. I'm a second year and um, I played King Lear in uh, Sodal's recent production of King Lear on Zoom.
0: Amazing. So can you tell us a little bit, how long have you been with Shakespeare and the Law? Is this your first year or did you get involved your first year here at UVA?
4: My first semester at UVA, I was the assistant stage manager in our production of As You Like It. And then second semester, I was meant to be involved in Twelfth Night and then we weren't able to perform and that ended up getting moved to the radio this semester. So I guess this is the third show that I've been affiliated with with SOTL, but the first one that I've been able to perform in a visual way.
0: Okay. And how did you get the role of King Lyric? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. um, The audition
4: process was also over Zoom. So we just one at a time joined the meeting and uh, gave a monologue. And then we were called back for callbacks to just read cold from the script.
0: So you mentioned you were on the production team your first year. And then were you planning to play a character in Twelfth Night second semester? Or was this going to be your first time acting with Shakespeare on the lawn?
4: Yeah, um, I did end up playing Valentine and Second Officer in Twelfth Night, so we just did that fully audio, so uh, we all had, like, microphones that the director bought for us, and we sent in our audio clips, and they edited it together. I think it's going to be released as a podcast pretty soon, but um, this is just the first acting role where people get to see my face, I guess. Second show with Soto in a performative way.
0: That's so cool that they're going to release the audio. Do you know where that's going to be available? Is it going to be on, like, streaming services or something?
4: I think it'll be available on Spotify. They've been um, advertising it a lot. It's a subtle Instagram, which is subtle at UBA. That's awesome.
0: Well, it's very exciting that now people will be able to see your face.
4: Yeah, so we performed King Lear last Friday, and it was basically just a bunch of people in a Zoom call, audience members and actors alike. And then if you were an audience member, you turned off your microphone and your video, and then the actors turned on their camera whenever they were meant to be entering the stage and then turned it back off whenever they were exiting.
0: Did any problems arise with... Zoom, like a little bit of errors or anything like that. I know it can be challenging even with classes.
4: I think the biggest, like, technical difficulty adjacent thing that we had was when the Zoom call first started. There were a lot of people who clearly had not used Zoom before and didn't know how to turn off their cameras. So we just had a lot of people sort of like, you know, under the chin angle, squinting at their phones, trying to figure it out. But Emma, our director, was very patient in explaining to people how to get everything set up. And then there weren't really any hiccups while the show was going on.
0: How was the turnout for audience members?
4: I mean, I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but we, we had like about 70 people in the call to include the actors, which, which was really cool.
0: Can you describe your space for performing the production? Like what did you have to do um, for setting for your own camera, costume, design? Like how much of that were you responsible for? So
4: we all provided our own costumes just from what we had in our closet. It was sort of business attire. So I just wore like the only blazer I own. And we were all supposed to have these fabric backgrounds that we had been either mailed or went to pick up from the director, but I don't have a desk that's like right adjacent to my wall, so I ended up going into uh, my housemate's room and using her desk, and then like scooting her desk as close as possible to her bathroom door so that like the shot was just exclusively the fabric background. And then um, we have like scenes where we turn the lights on and off, and I had a lamp on her desk that I was adjusting to sort of be spotlight esque. It, it was very homemade, but I think it worked out pretty well.
0: What was it like speaking to your other cast members? Were you like kind of looking at the camera, or were you supposed to pretend that you were like in the room with them? What was that environment like?
4: So, personally, I don't like to act when I can see my own reflection. So, I shrunk the Zoom call and did like the thing where you have a little box at the top of your screen. So whichever actor was currently speaking would show up in that box and I would look at that box and have it just underneath my webcam so it sort of looked like I was looking at them. Uh, but I definitely didn't really have a sense of who was in the scene except for that I had written it in my script so I knew who was meant to be there. I just only saw the person that was talking.
0: Would you say, what were you, what would you say were some of like the biggest challenges? I mean obviously Zoom is not the ideal way to give a play but in terms of just coordinating rehearsals, and how you, the show was going to be performed, what were some of the things that um, the cast ran into?
4: I think physicality was probably the biggest barrier, because especially with a show like this, where emotions are running high, and there's a lot of, like, people violently acting towards each other, or, you know, there's there's a scene where I'm supposed to be, like, holding my dead daughter and, like, caressing her, and, and I ended up balling up a blanket instead, and acting as though that was my dead daughter. Um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of just finding ways to interact with each other without actually physically being able to be in the same room. Except for we had a pair of twins who just happened to be both at home together. And so they actually were able to go into each other's rooms and like interact within the Zoom call, which was very cool, fourth wall breaking sort of thing.
0: Yeah, that's actually a little bit helpful too for the audience probably. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So Shakespeare on the Lawn, can you describe like what sort of community that is? Obviously this is your third semester working with them would you say this experience kind of strengthened your bond or it was harder to kind of feel like the connection within the group?
4: I, I have definitely found a, a really important place in Sotal, I think like Sotal has a very special place in my heart. It's a really great group of people and I, there's such a social aspect as well as the performative aspect to it. So we have, you know, people that are pretty consistently a part of the organization attending the gen bots and things like that. So even when I'm not acting in a show. I definitely feel connected to the organization. But being able to be in King Lear and, you know, interface with a text like this, accompanied by fellow actors, was, was a really special experience. I think it's something that I missed a lot, even just coming from high school, but especially now that performance is so strange. Just being able to, like, be in a Zoom call with other people and we're all working towards the same goal of putting on a show was really exciting.
0: So are there plans for next semester? Do you plan to do, like, a similar production? Obviously, Spring Prants. Green plans for the university are a little up in the air, but do you guys have any thoughts so far?
4: So this Sunday is when we're gonna be hearing show proposals from whoever it is that wants to direct. So I, I'll probably know more then, but I am guessing that everything's gonna be on Zoom. We do have one person who was planning to direct some sort of like scavenger hunt-esque thing where you go from station to station watching people do monologues and uh, soliloquies, things like that. And I think she's gonna direct that next semester instead. So we we might have something in person along those lines that'll be a little bit unorthodox, but besides that, it'll probably all be Zoom.
0: What has been just your favorite part of this whole experience? It's probably been weird, definitely, but what if, what's the biggest takeaway for you?
4: It's It's definitely been very weird, but I think one of the nice things about the fact that it's on Zoom is being able to like focus on your facial expressions, I guess, because there's so many things that you have to think about when you're on stage, you know? But when all I can see is from your shoulders up, you have to really emote and you know, gesture as much as you can, but, but a lot of it just comes in, in the way that you are holding yourself and the way that your voice comes across. So I think being able to do a Zoom production allowed me to focus more on the subtleties of acting, which
0: I really appreciated. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I appreciate it. It was nice meeting you.
4: Yeah, it was nice meeting you too.
1: We spoke to the director of the Sodal spring production, Twelfth Night, about how they adapted their production to the pandemic's conditions.
5: I'm Avery Erskine. I'm a third year English major with a drama minor, and I'm the director of Twelfth Night, the radio show through Shakespeare on the Lawn.
1: So can you talk a little bit about why you guys decided to do Twelfth Night as a radio show and you know where that inspiration came from and
5: yeah so i initially started directing this project in the spring semester before covid was even really on our minds um, and three weeks away from opening night uh, we received news that we would not be coming back to grounds and so it was sort of a matter of do we cancel the show do we try to make it still happen next semester what are we going to do um, We went through many iterations of what 12th Night would actually look like, including a a true main stage production. But as we got closer to the fall semester, we realized that that wasn't really feasible. And when we initially were confronted with the issue of the pandemic, we were sort of throwing out ideas um, in both the Shakespeare on the Lawn exec chat with my artistic staff. Um, And I believe it was someone in the the exec group who suggested that we do a radio show because um, it's it's not necessarily common for a place to be radio shows, but I know that some groups in the past have turned Shakespeare into radio plays. Um, it was increasing in popularity as the pandemic went on. And so eventually we decided that that was the safest option and really the only option to make it happen in a way that was as entertaining and interesting as a main stage show would have been.
1: How does that work logistically? Do Does each actor record their part individually or how have you guys been doing it?
5: Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to get a grant from the Miller Art Scholars Program to fund this project, and so I was able to buy a mic for every actor. Um, that way, the the sound quality would be more consistent. Um, and I had each of them download Audacity on their computers, and so we made sure that they recorded their own lines and had headphones in, so we wouldn't hear the other lines as well. That's to make sure editing's easier. You're doing a podcast, I'm sure you're aware of how that works, but. Yeah, so basically we would all join a Zoom call. I would say, start recording. They would start recording on Audacity. I'd say action and they'd do the scene. Usually if there were some stumbles or something like that we'd do certain lines again. We usually did two takes of each scene and then I had them upload all of their files to a shared Google Drive folder which I then downloaded on my computer and um, edited together, so yeah.
1: How have you had to adapt the script to sort of work in an environment where you can't see what's going on on stage?
5: Yeah, we had already adapted it somewhat for the main stage version. We, (laughs) this version was sort of initially imagined in the American suburbs. And so we changed like pounds to bucks when talking about money. Um, We did minor things like that. We changed it so that the, the shipwreck in the original script was now a train wreck so we kept that in the radio version as well. I would say for the most part, we didn't change too much. There were some bits that we edited out that that didn't quite make sense visually or seemed to clutter up the scene. I think there were one or two lines that were about exits that we cut and we just pretended like the characters were still on stage. For the most part, it was about the same. I'd say, Adapting it, the biggest struggle was actually what we added. And we added um, narration to this version so that the physicality that we lost from the original main stage version could still somewhat be seen in the imagination of the listener through the narration. So we, we have all the entrances and exits narrated if there's a specific piece of blocking or movement that we initially had that's necessary. For example, there's a letter in one scene that a character has to notice and pick up. Um, And the lines after that don't make sense if you don't know that the character has seen the letter and picked up the letter. So we have like a narration there where it's like, Malvolio sees the letter and picks it up. We tried to add some character to it and make it like a narrator from a 1950s or 1940s radio sitcom. But I'd say that was our our biggest struggle with adapting it was that added narration.
1: With the experience you've had kind of making this radio version of of Shakespeare, do you guys think this is something you'll continue in the future, Um, you know, whether the pandemic is still a thing or even just as a way to make theater more accessible?
5: Yeah, I think I can't really speak on behalf of Shakespeare on the Lawn because things change every year and how, what, what shows we decide to put on, how we decide to put them on. I'd say for me personally, it's definitely something that I didn't expect to, try or to even enjoy but it's now that i have the resources and the skill set I, I can definitely see myself working on podcasts or working in an audio at some point in my future projects
1: so what other sort of innovations are you seeing on grounds you know regarding drama in the time of covid and how do you feel about the community going into you know almost a year of quarantine
5: i'm very impressed with all of the work that i've seen i i Um, Right now, Broadway is essentially shut down. And so a lot of the new creative innovations are actually coming from people who might not necessarily have the huge resources and theater is like Broadway or bigger theater companies. And so it's really interesting to see at the UVA level, people saying, okay, we can't use a stage, we can't use rehearsal rooms, but we have Zoom, we have computers, we can do all of these great things. Virginia players at the end of last semester put on a lab series performance called Watch Me and that was really cool. they They made all the backgrounds on Zoom match so it looked like they were in the same room. Obviously King Lear was really well done. And Love and Information was recently done by the UVA drama department and that was essentially just a bunch of college kids using their their phones to create short films together and that was also really well done and really interesting. they They also incorporated some animation styles and ah, like cool filmmaking techniques where the figure in the mirror didn't necessarily match the figure looking into the mirror and I, I think even though we have really faced the challenge of, of not being able to be in person and not being able to put on our our productions live in, in the way we have in the past I, I really think it's it's a challenge that has pushed us to go further and discover new solutions. And I think that those solutions will continue to be used even past these pandemic times.
1: Right, so where will 12th Night be um, available to stream?
5: Uh, 12th Night will be available to stream on November 24th on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And for more information, follow at SOTLUVA on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Here's a continuation of the 12th Night clip from earlier.
3: Who? Sir Andrew Aguecheek. Aye, he. he. He's as tall a man as any's in Illyria.
2: What's that to the purpose?
3: Why, he has ten thousand dollars a year.
2: Aye, but he'll have but a year in all these dollars. He's a very fool. And
3: a prodigal. Fie that you'll say so. He plays over the vile to gamboys, and speaks three or four languages word for word without book, and hath all the good gifts of nature.
2: He hath indeed almost natural, for besides that he's a fool, he's a great quarreler, and but that he hath the gift of a coward to allay the gust he hath in quarreling. Tis thought among the prudent he would quickly have the gift of a
3: grave. By this hand they are scoundrels and subtractors that say so of him. Who are they?
2: They that add, moreover, he's drunk nightly in your
3: company. <coughs> With drinking healths to my niece... I'll drink to her as long as there is a passage in my throat and drink in Elyria.
0: This production is reflective of creative efforts across the drama community at UVA. Other productions have also adjusted to COVID restrictions in innovative ways. The Department of Drama is presenting Carol Churchill's play, Love and Information, through a pre-recorded stream over Zoom. Each of the student actors involved were tasked with shooting at least three of the 50-plus scenes of the production on their own, After taking crash courses in different aspects of filmmaking, they would need to complete the project. This included sound, lighting, and script analysis. The separate scenes were then edited together to complete the production. This process allowed students to work collaboratively without needing to be physically together.
1: Camp and others are quick to admit that a play over Zoom is less than ideal. But just as Camp mentioned, remote productions allow theater to become more accessible. Whether it be the people who participate, the audience, the message, or its influence, the results of these Zoom productions could shift the way people think about plays and their impact. As Camp remarked, quote, drama is art of the people, end quote. And if Zoom productions allow more to participate and more to watch, then maybe they aren't entirely negative.
0: On Record is written by Neela Connaughton, Will Bird, Peyton Guthrie, Ariana Aronson, Sophia Moore, Genevieve Charles, Maggie Lynn, Karen Sun, and Kristen Davidson-Schwartz.
1: The show is produced by Carmen Mew, David Hunt, Anne Williams, and Grace Fluharty.
0: Our editor is Nabil Raza. Thanks for listening. This has been On Record. So guys, I've been thinking about getting a tomato frog.
1: Why do you want to get a tomato frog?
0: Well, I'd really like to foster, um, but my landlord said I can't have any pets. Fos- foster can- a frog? No, like foster a cat or dog from the SPCA. Um, but my landlady said I couldn't have any pets that didn't fit in a tank, so frog can fit in a tank.
1: So, so tell me about tomato frogs. what what are tomato frogs?
0: They're really cute. They are red little frogs. Females can be up to four inches actually, so I guess they're not not super little, but <laughs> I don't know. they just kind of chill. You just pour water on them and feed them worms. They just seem like pleasant companions for these troubling times.
1: really so but can you like play with a frog?
0: I don't know. I feel like I could like sit in your hand, right?
1: <laughs> and then what?
0: Just vibe.
1: <laughs> well, there's nine frogs available at twenty nine 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 on Josh's Frogs dot
0: I'm not trying to buy one off the internet, Nabil. I would get one from a pet store.
1: You'd get one from a pet store.
0: I don't know. There's like pet stores and stuff around here. I feel like I could. Get. I
1: did get I did get a fish in Charlottesville.
0: Okay, so at did a pet I? Pet store.
1: Wait, what fish did you get?
0: I have a betta fish named Victor.
1: I have a betta fish named Noodle. No way. Yeah, it's a ma- They amazing, could be friends. Incredible. No they couldn't. They oh. would kill each other. Oh
0: okay. And Noodle would win. Anyway, this week we're talking about virtual theater.